0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome back to the Christian Soldier Podcast. I'm your host Robert Spurbeck. Thank you for joining me for another episode and another week. Praying your week goes wonderful, and I hope that these episodes recently have been a blessing to you, help you understand uh, what we've been dealing with in the area of Mormonism. And uh, we hear a lot about Mormonism. We hear a lot. Um, uh, maybe you've run into a Mormon missionary. Maybe you uh, have a friend that's Mormon. Uh, wonderful. Uh, ethical, uh, moral people, and you're like, well, whoa, and we see that exterior, it's like, well, what can be really wrong with that, you know, let's let them believe what they want to believe, you know, and, you know, are we really sure that, uh, you know, they don't have their true gospel and, and the truth? Well, we've been looking at, I hope that this has been helping you open your eyes a little bit, unpack some things about some core beliefs that Mormons believe. And uh, some of these things that we're looking at, the Mormons are not very open on the face about some of these things because they know, uh, just to be honest, how crazy some of these things sound uh, and also how uh, contrary to the Bible many of these things are. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about um, the Mormons' view of humanity. Uh, and uh, we've been looking at some things, how they view the Bible, how they view God. So, kind of as we go through the core doctrines your systematic theology you have theology which is the doctrine of god you have bibliology your your doctrine of the bible uh then you have uh anthropology uh which is your view of uh man and you know the origin of man and things like that so what's what we're going to look at we're going to look at humanity today uh and just uh, and know that mormon's view the origin of humanity much different than we do uh, much more, much different than what the, the Bible describes, and all of this is extra-biblical. They don't have a shred of Bible for it, and the verses they do use, I'm going to show them to you today. Uh, but uh, the Mormons basically believe in three states of mankind, and as we looked at over the last couple of weeks, is that their ultimate goal is to achieve Godhood. Uh, remember, God is created, Jehovah God is a created being, and that uh, he has had uh, spirit children. Uh, and Jesus being one of those, and also in that we all are uh, His spirit children, uh, and that there are three parts to the existence of mankind. The first is what we call well not, well what they call pre-existence, pre-existence. And so they believe that uh, we as people have existed uh, before we are physically born. We don't have any memory of this, uh, but that there is a time, uh, where we live a life in pre-existence. Uh, some of this is rooted in you know, mysticism, uh, but that we have a pre-existence. So the very fact that we have made it through pre-existence, uh, and then we are in, um, uh, now we are in the second, uh, which is called, they call uh, mortality, uh, the mortal stage. So we have been uh in pre mortality or pre existence as a spirit child. Uh and then we have the mortal uh section of our life where we're living here on earth and then there's por- post mortality. So we're in the mortality area of life. And what they believe is is that if we're living in this physical realm and living in the physical mortal world, we must have done a good job in the pre existence and the pre mortality and all of this is in the progression toward Godhood. Uh, so, and this is how we achieve salvation. This is the Mormon system of salvation. So we did okay in the pre-existence, so we're here now. Now we must do good. We don't have any memory of that, though. Uh, and then our memories are wiped clean, and we're born into physical bodies here on this earth. And if we do good here, then we'll do good in the post-mortality or the afterlife and eventually achieve Godhood. And the way this is done in the mortal or what they also call it the second estate, it's a time of testing. In order to become gods, Mormons must face and overcome physical temptation and trials. Um, because obviously, as a spirit child in the pre existence, you can't be physically tempted because he or she has no physical body. So the spirit children must take on human bodies and uh, and also believe these Mormons are faced with an unbelievable list of requirements to progress toward. Godhood, including repentance, baptism, church membership, uh, innumerable good works, temporal rituals, and and other things. And all of this is necessary in the Mormon system of salvation. So, post mortality, say that the moment a person dies, they go to, they enter the spirit world and they enter paradise. Non Mormons don't go to hell, they don't believe in a literal hell. Uh, They go to spirit prison. Where Mormon spirits evangelize them in missionary activities, so them doing their missionary activities here on this earth prepares them for their missionary activities uh, in the post-mortality, the afterlife, and that spirit can leave the prison, and enter into paradise as long as someone has to be a living relative has been baptized on his or her behalf in a Mormon temple. Otherwise, the spirit is stuck in prison until a living relative undergoes the ritual. So that's why they, um, you know, they. The Mormons uh, get them; they get they go undergo baptism uh, first of themselves, and then they can get baptized again in a Mormon temple in a ritual that is to release uh, their um, their relatives' spirit who wasn't a Mormon from the spirit prison, basically purgatory. So it's a it's it's a mixture of a lot of different things. It's mysticism, a little bit of Catholicism thrown in there for good measure. And you you listen to this, and just just all. It's unbelievably weird. it is strange, and if you know your Bible and as a pastor i I study the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere even closes any of this type of type of thing into that none of it's in there, not one shred of any of this, uh but they do say that jeremiah one five talks about the preexistence when God is talking about Jeremiah. Uh, when uh you know before I form, formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you a prophet to the nation, so this is talking about his calling. They believe that he's talking about uh, his preexistence, and that, oh God is talking to Jeremiah about his preexistence. no, he's talking about his calling. The context is he's talking that when he was in his mother's womb, God had a purpose for him and a calling to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. Uh, then John 175 uh, when Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer uh, in that Jesus talking about being glorified, asking his Father to glorify him, as in, uh, as I was with you before the world began, right? Uh, so that is talking about, oh, that Jesus preexisted uh, his uh, mortal state. Well, he did because he's God. He's eternally has been, eternally will be. But they believe that talks about preexistence because remember what we learned. They believe Jesus is a created being and not. Uh, not the eternal God, not the very eternal God, who the God of creation. So they don't see, view it that way. So of course, that verse would talk about pre-existence to them. But to us, we know what the Bible says. He says, I am the beginning and the ending. I said Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, uh, the author and finisher of our faith. He always has been and always will be. Uh, and it's very obvious that nowhere in the Bible does it promote that we are gods or should be. Elevated to that position, Acts fourteen is what we're gonna looking at today. And when Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra, uh, and it begins in verse number eight, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet. So he's a paralytic, being crippled from his mother's womb. He who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, "Stand upright on thy feet." And he leaped and walked. Okay, so a miracle takes place. And when the people saw that Paul had what Paul had done. They lift up their voices, saying in, in the speech of Laconia the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. So Paul and Barnabas don't understand what's going on here, because they are speaking in a language they were unfamiliar with. Uh, and verse 13, And the chief priests of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands onto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out, saying, Sirs, why do ye do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So what's going on here is that Paul and Barnabas are after they're finding out that they want to do a pagan ritual, and that they believe that Paul and Barnabas are the gods came down, the gods of the Romans, the gods of the Greeks. They said, "No, why are you doing these things? We're just like you are. We're just men." Uh you know, if this is true that they are Mormons on their way to Godhood, then why did they not, why did they refuse that? No, they, they said, no, we're just like you, and that there was only one God, not multiple gods, that the living God, the one true God, Paul on Mars Hill, uh, went to men and talked to them of the, the, the altars, the unknown God, and said, this is the God of whom I speak to you, the one and the true and the living God, all through the Bible. Monotheism. There is one and true living God, Jehovah God. And Jesus is the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit is, uh, and we see those three in one, monotheism. And nowhere in the Bible does it teach polytheism more than many gods or created gods or anything like that. However, the only place we see that type of thought process in the Bible of going from their state of creation to the state of godhood is Lucifer. Lucifer was created the chiefest of all the angels in beauty and in majesty and all of these things to give glory to God, but he lied to himself and said and had that desire in his heart. I want to be like the Most High. I want to sit on the throne of heaven. I want to be a God. And then God cast him out of heaven. So he is deluded to this day. He believes he can be greater than God and defeat God. And that is where we see the roots of Mormonism, the roots of any religion that teaches you can become a God. Come straight from the pit of hell. We see the lie given to mankind in the garden, and that is why Mormonism is so popular. Who doesn't want to be a god? Who doesn't want to be a ruler of their own universe? Who doesn't want that in their f- depraved, selfish flesh? Who doesn't want that if that is possible? Obviously, it's not possible because the Bible says it's not. But that we're simply created to serve and love our Savior Jesus Christ and and love our Heavenly Father who gave his son for us, who loves us. That is the purpose of our lives, not to be a god, not to be number one, not to do all these things, which unfortunately is the motivation for many, many Mormons, because it is their system of salvation, and it's a trap. That's why it's so popular, because it is a trap that the devil has used since the garden and is used today. Uh, So that's something we need to consider. So let's think about that. When you're talking to a Mormon, remember, they even use the word the second estate or preexistence. I can take them to the Bible to show where we are created that we there is nowhere in the Bible that talks about preexistence. existence If they take you to Jeremiah 1 5 or the book of John when Jesus is preaching his high priestly prayer, tell them, no, that's not what this is speaking of. So let's have Bible answers for these things. So, But some of these things are just so ridiculous, so unbelievable. So, well, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, the Book of Mormon does. If we can do, if we can um delegitimize the Book of Mormon into that it was that Joseph Smith was a was a con man, which he was. Uh, in these different ones, if we can just say this is what the Bible says, and the Bible contradicts the Book of Mormon, if we can get people back to the Bible. We can guide them out of this error. Well, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you've enjoyed this series. It's part number six in our series. If you haven't caught the other episodes, please go back and listen from the beginning, because uh, all of this builds one on another, and I hope this has been a help to you. Uh, definitely reach out to us, info at dot We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.